0: Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love. Love from the Hip. The first ever recorded evidence of a marriage dates back to 2350 B.C. in Mesopotamia. The word marriage itself comes from Old English and was first seen in 1250 to 1300 C.E. Over the next several hundred years, marriage evolved into an alliance between families, a necessity for wealth, designation of land, an elevation of status, and a peacemaker between countries. Most marriages were arranged and were less to do with love. In fact, love didn't become the motivating factor for marriage until the Middle Ages, when romance became largely influenced by the troubadours, or medieval lyric poets. 12th century advice literature actually encouraged men to woo the object of their affection by praising a woman's eyes, lips, and hair. Later in the 13th century, Richard de Fournival, physician to the king of France, wrote Advice on Love, in which he recommended that a woman cast her love flirtatious glances, as he said, anything but a frank and open entreaty. The church also changed the nature of marriage. The idea of marriage as a sacrament can be traced back to St. Paul, who compared the union of husband and wife to that of Christ and the church. By 1563, marriages began taking place with ceremony, when the Council of Trent declared that marriages should be celebrated in the presence of a priest and at least two witnesses. The blessings of the church forced men to show greater respect for their wives and were forbidden to divorce them. The church still, however, held men higher than women in their families and called for wives to serve their husbands. Even with the backing of the church, marriage continued to be about practicality and status. It wasn't until the last couple centuries where the modern idea of marriage, which revolves around love and companionship, emerged. Some instigating factors include the Industrial Revolution, where more people became independent from large families and able to support their immediate family on their own. The Enlightenment period, which brought about free thinkers and encouraged individual happiness and goals versus those of marital wealth and status. When love became the driving factor behind marriage, the dynamic and structure changed. Women got more leverage and men sought to serve their wives, As women gained more rights such as land ownership and the right to vote, their role in marriage became even more equal. Just within the last 40 years, marriage has become less about the ownership of women and more about a private union for the fulfillment of two individuals. While some changes of marital traditions have moved away from the patriarchal roots like that of same-sex marriages, others have remained the same. According to one of the largest data analysis in recent years, 70% of women in the U.S. still adopt their husband's family name when they marry, and in England, it is even higher, with that of 90% of women. Other more endearing marital customs have also remained, like that of the engagement rings, which dates back to the Romans, with the circle representing eternity, subsequently a union that will last forever. At one time, it was also thought that the vein of the nerve on the left ring finger ran directly to the heart, validating the love even more throughout our history marriage has been strongly influenced by social events after wars and the great depression marriage was on the rise now with the option of domestic partnership women having a stronger presence in the workforce and even being a child of divorced parents marriage has declined in 2019 the marriage rate in the u.s stood considerably lower than that of the 90s as a matter of fact Over the last 18 years, the national marriage rate has fallen by 20 percent, with most of the decline concentrated in the southern states. The American Family Survey suggests that the marriage rate is falling and will keep falling, and unfortunately, COVID has not served most couples well. According to a major news survey conducted by the American Family Survey, released at the end of 2020, not surprisingly, the pandemic has put a lot of stress on married couples, both financially and emotionally. Data from states across the U.S. show a decline in marriage licenses, with Hawaii down 18 percent, Florida down 17 percent, and Oregon down 8 percent, for example. The survey also measured the amount of sex married couples were having during COVID. And shockingly, despite the increased togetherness, married couples' sex frequency did not dramatically increase. Although, interestingly enough, single people reported an increase in this department. The good news which came from the survey was that 51% of married couples reported that the pandemic deepened their commitment to their marriage, and 58% of married couples also reported that the pandemic made them appreciate their spouse more. Of course, the number one factor for stability in a marriage during COVID was financial stability. And with the economy opening back up, employment on the rise, and employers returning back to normal, this could provide that stability to those rocky marriages. And in turn, we may not see such a big rise in divorce as predicted. Today on Love from the Hip, I am excited to have Stacey Bartley on my show. Stacey is a certified divorce mediator and international relationship expert. Plus, Stacey is the host of Love Shack Live here on KKNW. She will share her wisdom on marriage, relationships, and love. Plus, we will open up the phone lines later on the show for your relationship questions. So don't go anywhere.
1: The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space,
0: no problem. With Estera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Estera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at asteracare.com That's e s t h e r a care.com.
2: The Veil is the line between physical and non-physical realities between spirit and matter Listen in to Go Beyond The Veil, an exciting new show every second Wednesday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. In this engaging and informational jam-packed radio hour hosts Sakura Sutter and Rory Reich interview folks who make a living crossing the veil, assisting others on their journeys of healing and self-discovery. Drawing from their own experiences, Sakura and Rory have come to realize how challenging it can be to understand it all. So they will ask the hard questions to not only reveal more truths and clarity, but in an effort to make spiritual sense. They hope by offering you, the listener, a resource where science meets spirituality that you too can suddenly put your skepticism to rest once and
0: for all. So join them as they go beyond the veil. Welcome back to Love From The Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love From The Hip, that's H-Y-P, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the great pleasure of having Stacey Bartley on my show. Stacy is a certified divorce mediator and international relationship expert and also the host of Love Shack Live right here on KKNW. Hey, Stacy, thanks for being here today.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited and delighted to co-create with you anytime the opportunity arises.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And likewise. (laughs) So I want to ask you, a relationship expert and a divorce mediator would really seem to clash. How did you how did you end up bringing those two expertise together?
3: Oh, so I started my journey back in 1996, where I studied hypnotherapy as well. We are fellow hypnotherapists. (laughs) Yes. And um, that journey took me on to the next 20 years, where in 2013, I became a divorce mediator. And it was when I became a divorce mediator and I was helping couples get through that difficult and challenging journey, which often it is for most of us, that they would come back to me with a broken heart again Mm. and, and again. And they would say, gosh, have you got anything else for me, right? I mean, you get me through this divorce, but now what? And so I, I'm in my back office, like, you know, helping them with relationship advice, right? As we're trying to finalize their divorces or prevent one from coming again. And it was there I went, gosh, who better to talk and teach about relationships than somebody who knows all the pitfalls of them, Mm -hmm. not only from the education that I'd studied, but also from my disastrous personal journey, right? So I had taken everything that I had learned and decided that it was time for me to try and teach it on the front side. So the beautiful thing now is if you come to me for relationship help and advice, We can work on the relationship and there's nothing to lose because if it doesn't go well, I can help you with the ending process as well.
0: (laughs) It's the full package. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And now had you already had a divorce under your belt when you became a divorce mediator yourself? Yes, not one but two. Ah, So you, yeah, you had a lot of experience.
3: I, I did. I, you know, my family, cl- people who are close friends and family to me go that
0: girl's teaching relationships, that one right there. <laughs> how that goes? You're never yeah. as
3: popular in your own hometown as you are elsewhere. <laughs> of course,
0: that's always how it goes. So I have to ask you lots of people say I'm never getting married or I'm never getting married again. Were you one of those people?
3: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, After my second divorce, I went on a 15-year stint where I was that independent, do-it-yourself kind of girl. Mm -hmm. And I didn't need a man anymore. In fact, men were going to be used on my own terms and in my own way, so I thought. And it was only because I had had a wonderful spiritual experience as a 14-year-old girl that I was stopped dead in my tracks from continuing probably to this day with that right uh, mentality and that positioning in my own life. Hmm. Um, Tom, my current husband, I saw him as a 14-year-old girl on my porch at my sister's wedding. And I I looked up as he was stepping out of a car, not knowing who he was or not knowing anything about relationships and thought, man, if I can find a guy like that someday, Uh um, that would be amazing. And and so as as wonderful fate or Gus or whatever we want to call that spirit that aligns the planets and helps us and challenges us in every way possible to become who it is we have the capacity to be, I'm thankful to say that in 2010, I got a call from a brother-in-law who said, hey, I want to connect you with my friend that you don't know in California. And little did they know I had been tracking him
0: for five years. (laughs) You mean stalking him? (laughs) Yeah, that's what his story is. Uh He says she was stalking me. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's full circle. So now you had also mentioned to me early on that um, there was a situation that occurred, right? Because he actually wanted to get married right away. Is that how it went? There was some contract that happened. And could you tell us more about that?
3: Yes, there was a contract. So as Tom appeared in this opportunity for us to connect and um, our relationship started to take on some velocity, like you had that realization in relationships where you think, gosh, there really is something here isn't that interesting? All of a sudden, what starts to flare up for me, you know, is all of my fears and what I then termed commitment phobic. So all my phobias about I was never going to marry again. And and I was never going to go down that road. And I was never going to give my heart away. It was going to be done on my own terms. Um, Tom, I believe is the only person in my life that could cause me to rethink all of those decisions that I had made in my life in that moment, Hmm. which he did. And so as our relationship was kind of picking up veracity, I'd known enough teaching human behavior and and relationship skills, um, ironically, up (laughs) to that point. Right. (laughs) You had all the tools. I had all the tools. Mm -hmm. And and I thought, boy, I've got this whole thing figured out. Little did I know that I um, my own fears were going to kick off. And I know that relationships are either growing or dying. There's not really any holding them in neutral, uh, just like other things that we create in our lives. And so it was in the throes of a conversation where I knew the big question was coming and I'll never forget the moment because it was in the middle of the night and I was sitting on a couch and I could feel it coming and feel it coming. And you know, the question is, you know, so what are we going to do here? And what are we <laughs> going to become? And, you know, I'm really digging you and you, you just kind of, Oh gosh, here it goes. What am I? going to say and uh-huh. to break the tension of my own anxiety I just blurted out okay 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 how about a lease option contract for love like that's it that's all I can give
0: that's all I can do and like lease to own yeah yes, yes. like we can
3: get out right we can get out of it if it doesn't work and no harm no foul we'll just part friends
2: everything's uh-huh. good yeah.
3: and we laughed about it and um, and then Tom said hey you know what wait a minute say that again <laughs> And then he goes, you know, Stace, I think that's a really great idea. Why don't you create us one? And so I did. I, I took everything I'd known at that point in time and everything that I thought would help me ease my own fears and insecurities. And I drafted us up a lease option contract for 30 days. I thought that's long enough. Right? Uh-huh. We're going to <laughs> get all in for 30 days and let's see what happens. Right. You know, Do I still like you? Do you still like me? And after the 30 days, um, I was like, man, that that's really awesome, right, as we're kind of starting to understand the principle of like teaching each other how to love each other best. Mm. We're having the difficult conversations that we don't typically have in relationships, which is what doesn't work for me and and what doesn't work for you. And I'm in a place where I can hear it. And so then we did 90 days and that went so famously wonderful that I locked him up for five years. I did a (laughs) five-year contract. (laughs) And what I realized that was profound in that moment wasn't that i was afraid of commitment uh, and i know now that we as human beings we're not afraid of commitment we long for it we yearn it we want that experience of being deeply connected to another human being mm-hmm. what terrifies us is our ability to navigate through the inevitable changes that we know are coming mm-hmm. especially if we've been in relationships prior we know things are going to change right. we know that right? You're going to lose a job or we're going to have financial trouble or gosh, the kids have come now or uh, our parents, our exes, our, there's so many caveats there that we know are going to change us as we grow into the people that we have the capacity to be. And we never talk about how we're going to navigate through that. It's just supposed to be this stagnant moment in time that you just kind of hope and pray things continue to go good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so by setting those little milestones that really helped you to work through that. Now, was he working through his own stuff, too, at the same time? Absolutely. And yeah. and it was a framework that I still
3: use to this day. Of course, it's been refined over the last decade. Mm. Um, it's been refined again and again and again as, as couples, um, people who are going through divorce, as well as couples who are trying to rebuild their relationship or starting out in a new relationship. It's a great framework for all of those places because it continues to support you in having the conversations that matter most.
0: That's wonderful. So, aside from having that framework, what would you what what would you say to people that are saying, "I'll I'll never get married again"? What's your advice?
3: Yeah, well, there's a reason why, and I think there's no right or wrong answer there. Mm -hmm. Whether we marry or don't marry isn't the question. What terrifies us about relationships and from getting all in and committing to another person is the conversation I feel that we need to have, and it's not going to be for everybody, which brings me to the point of writing my book called, have you noticed marriage is dead? Hmm. Um,
0: which we're going to get into now. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. So it, it's not about the conversation of trying to enroll you into considering marriage or not considering marriage. It's about where are you in this relationship journey? And let's just begin there.
0: Right. And do you match the other person, right? Is, instead of forcing them to have those same beliefs. Yes, exactly.
3: Well, if if you force somebody into marriage, I can tell you right off the right off the bat, it's not going to go well. Right, right. They they might acquiesce for a moment, but then yeah. you know if they're not truly choosing in, and we could say that not only about relationships, we could say that about you know treatments of all sorts, getting help mentally, emotionally, physically. Mm. We could we could say that about a lot of things. If we're forcing somebody into something, chances are they're probably not going to be all in, right? And they're not going to get a lot out of it,
0: right? So tell us about your book. So why do you say marriage is dead? Because it's no longer um, a
3: vehicle for us to create the long-lasting relationships that we're hoping for. It it used to be, for all those reasons, I loved your monologue, by the way, Thank historically, um, when it was about money, when it was about transitioning lineage from lineage, when it was um, deemed unholy and unworthy to divorce through the Pope. Um, right. All of these things um, have kind of fallen by the wayside as we have evolved as a human species. And we're finding now that in our culture of love, as we've stepped into wanting it to be a fulfillment of two people, of wanting it to grow and expand who it is we have the capacity to be, no longer can marriage be used as an obligation tool to keep people together. Mm. That's what's falling away. Okay. So so the
0: definition is changing. Absolutely. It's not that you don't believe in a happily ever after, correct? (laughs) Correct.
3: Okay. Well, yes, yes, yes. And then <laughs> and then we can go into that. Um, <laughs> happily ever after is what, right? What does right. that mean? That you don't feel pain, that you don't ever feel uncomfortable, that you don't ever get upset. You know, that that's to be debated. What is happily ever after? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a fun conversation.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> do you want to go there? Yeah, I mean? <laughs> let's go there. Let's let's do it. <laughs> um one of the things that we talk about extensively in in the book is we we do a bit of history just like you did for the listeners and for the reader. And then we step into what is pain, because pain is the thing that keeps us from wanting to get all into our relationships. Mm. And pain is one of those things that's inevitable in life. It's this piece of our navigation system that I like to call our emotional body. And we have an an emotional body and a physical body. And these two things together are our navigation system. And the unfortunate thing for us, because of reasons we don't have time to go into today, um, we have been robbed essentially of really connecting and owning our emotional selves. Yeah,
0: which you and I talked about on our last show together Yes, (laughs) on your show, Love Shack Live. Yes, (laughs)
3: yes. And, um, and it's time for us to regain, you know, the use of that navigation part of ourselves that we all have. And as we do, we're going to be able to become more actualized, aware, stronger, more capable, um, and essentially gain the ability to become what it is we have the capacity to be. And I believe that that's what relationships are really for, um, if you don't believe me, just get into a relationship and watch how your personal growth gets put on steroids. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can attest to that. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. It's- it's inevitable that all of our fear in our, our insecurities, our fears, um, we have to re-identify who we are and who we can become and what we're doing here and why is this person showing up and why do they say that and do that? And all of a sudden we just get a lot more of all the good stuff and and the challenging stuff as well. And that's not a bad thing. Right. You know, our our pain is something that is an important part of what motivates us to grow. It's it's what encourages us to consider things that we wouldn't be willing to consider otherwise. And we don't talk about the gifts of emotional pain very often. Um, so, you know, it, it needs to be embraced and understood as a, a huge part of our navigation system that says, uh, hello, I need your attention, like right. you're going in the wrong direction. This yeah. is not going to work for you.
0: And right. largely, like you said, it's largely instigated when you enter into a relationship or even a marriage. So do you think by changing the idea of marriage or changing the definition, whereas we're actually making a conscious choice, right, to choose this person that there will be less divorce and maybe less bad stigma around marriage?
3: Um, I'm not so sure that <laughs> there will be less divorce or shall we say breakup. Right. But the way we handle it is different. In fact, I can I can tell you statistically um, in the work that I do, um, couples part ways with understanding and completion, not, blaming and shaming each other. So that piece can change because we understand ourselves better. We understand our partners better. And we also understand why it's not working. Mm. And that that's, there's gotta be some, some peace with that. right? Right. And if, and if that happens, then we're, we're left complete to try again. As I like to say, why is it we only count the years marriage? When it comes to our relationships, why is that the significant thing that we tend to focus on without realizing that every single relationship you have ever been in or will ever be in contributes to your understanding and mastery of love and relationships? Yeah. Like we
0: practice it just like we practice everything else. So when shall we start counting? Right. And mastery of yourself too, right? Knowing yourself more through each relationship. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. That's
3: that's the that's the game, right? That's right. the get to in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't do it on my own. I need someone to dance with me in order to see myself. Mm. And so powerful. that's why, yeah. As just human being, if you put us in isolation, if you lock us up, like uh-uh, sadly we do to human <laughs> beings, yep. we go crazy. Yeah, we absolutely go crazy because we can't see
0: ourselves any longer. Right. Exactly. So, well, with that, we're going to take a quick break, but everyone stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny up next. And if you have a relationship question for Stacy, feel free to call 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. Oh, On this Weekly Skinny, I would like to talk about Toasted Skin Syndrome or Hot Water Bottle Rash or Erythema Ab Igni or EAI. Its Latin definition translates to redness from fire and rightfully so since EAI is caused by chronic exposure to infrared radiation or low levels of heat. This mild red rash, which resembles a fishing net or lacework, appears on the skin and may be accompanied by mild itchiness and also a burning sensation. Historically, EAI was common only among blacksmiths and bakers, but as sources of heat have become more convenient and readily available, incidences of EAI have increased. Some of the sources of heat which cause EAI include hot water bottles, space heaters, heating pads, furniture with built-in heaters, including your car seats, and infrared lights. There have even been cases reported from resting a laptop directly on one's thighs from the laptop heater. Of course, all of these sources used infrequently are fine, but repeated and prolonged use can increase your risk of EAI. EAI can appear like another vascular condition called levito reticularis, which is associated with lupus. EAI starts as a mildly pink patches and soon progresses to a classic reddish to brown reticulated pattern. The exposure to the repeated heat source causes injury to the superficial vascular networks and the epidermis or outer layer of the skin, which is what causes the hyperpigmentation. Of course, discontinuing contact with the heat source is the initial form of treatment and if it is a mild case of EAI, it will typically resolve on its own over several months. With more severe cases, EAI can persist for several years, and if the lesions are bothersome, doctors will typically prescribe a form of retin-A as well as laser therapy. In a few rare cases, cancer has been reported to arise from EAI, hence why a dermatologist may choose to monitor and biopsy if needed. Erythema ab igne, another example of what can happen to your skin with too much of a good thing hypnotherapy helps you
2: discover and explore deep sustainable life changes let sakura guide your communication with your unconscious mind rid yourself of negative behaviors fears pains and emotions weight loss smoking childhood trauma chronic pain and much more can be addressed begin healing now learn more sakura skin and mind.com s-a-k-u-r-a skin and mind.com bring out the healthy way of thinking You didn't know you had.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And if you haven't already heard the news, Love from the Hip has taken to the international airwaves and is now on Cape Town's 88.5 FM zone radio, The Voice of the Valley, on Sundays from 9 to 10 p.m. South African time. Today, I have the wonderful pleasure of having Stacey Bartley on my show. Stacy is a certified divorce mediator and international relationship expert. And if you have a relationship question for Stacy, feel free to call, don't be shy, 1-888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. So Stacy, I wanna ask you, how do you believe this pandemic will affect marriage and marital values?
3: It's going to create some big decisions, whether to jump in, you're going to see probably a slight uptick in marriage itself. And you're going to see a continued decline in relationships that people have known for a while aren't working, they're going to finally make the decision to to jump in into that risky space, yeah. um, any kind of a life threatening or anything that has us contemplate our own mortality as a human being will cause us to finally make decisions that we've been putting off for a really long time. So we'll see birth rates go up, or we're finally going to go, you know what, let's have that baby or <laughs> hey, you know what, I can't take this anymore. I'm out or oh my gosh, let's finally get married because I've been sitting on the fence for a long time. Yeah. You know, so I, I you're going to see an increase in all of those things, just the because we finally go, what the heck? Let's jump in. Right? Got through that. Let's <laughs> right, do this Right, <laughs> exactly.
0: So what makes a healthy, long-lasting relationship or marriage?
3: So let's, let's talk about what breaks them down because then we'll understand and see how to keep them thriving. Okay. What breaks down relationships is when my inevitable fears and insecurities flare up and they're going to, for every human being I've ever known, that's connected to themselves emotionally. I can turn it off, but then that doesn't go well either. I'm just controlling and pushing and dominating, thinking I know the way. But for two people who are connected to their emotional bodies, there's inevitable moments in time where my own fears and insecurities are gonna pop up. The thriving um, and longevity of a relationship we can track directly back to, how does the couple talk about that? Can they talk about what their fears and insecurities are? Can you listen and hear your partners? Because if you can do that, then you could navigate and problem solve anything. But what typically happens is we throw ourselves into the human behavior pattern that we're all so familiar and that has been modeled to us for many, many years by our friends and family, well-intentioned caregivers, that of control, where when my emotional back gets pushed against the wall, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to tear your face up. Mm. I'm going to tell you where you've wronged me and how you should have done it and why it should have gone that way and how wrong you are for even bringing this emotion up in me. Or I tend to do the opposite, which is collapse, right? I go along with, I put up with, um, Mm, I have a difficult time speaking up, advocating for myself. And I think that if I please you, this is what's going to create the longevity that I'm looking for. Um, And that's typically how we handle things when my back is against the wall and I don't know what else to do.
0: Right. So would it help then, aside from communication, knowing how the person, their love language or... Their attachment. <laughs> I love that you brought that up. <laughs> I mean, it just—I think it would—the—the the, their Myers Briggs, their their horoscope. I don't know. I feel like the more the better, right?
3: Well, and I want to just impress upon the listeners that those are all really great things. But when push comes to shove, and we're having a fight. Do I pull them out and use them? Are they effective in navigating me through difficult conversations that are inevitably going to come up? Hmm. Does it matter that I know your love language then is a gift going to solve the problem? If I run out and take out the trash and give you a little act of service, is it going to help us through this? Right. Is knowing that you're an NFJ, is that going to solve my problem? (laughs) Right. And so then you start to see the dilemma. You go, oh, no, uh -uh. Uh, I'm an Aries and you're a Virgo. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it's probably not going to go so well so they're great tools to help us see and understand ourselves from one perspective or from one lens but as far as helping us get better at navigating through the inevitable ups and down of relationships they're probably not going to do much for you
0: right right There's so no opinion. so would you say that one of the most important things is to hold space for your partner to communicate how they're feeling or what's bothering yes. them? yes
3: Well, the thing that breaks the whole thing down from me sharing about my fears and insecurities is a little thing called emotional safety. Mm. I'm going to assume that your listeners, my listeners, um, are already physically safe because that's a whole different problem. So I'm going to assume that you're physically safe, right? And then from there, it's the emotional safety that's required in order to show up. And that's where we get hung up, right? The way we show up or not show up is going to determine what happens next. Do I have the emotional safety to show up and say what I need to say? And that's what we need to kind of keep our eye on the ball is protecting that emotional safety. And so then the natural question that comes behind that is, well, how do you create safety? And it's this little word called permission. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Permission to feel the way I feel, see it the way I see it. And if I want the permission to do that for myself, then by nature of that, I need to give that permission to you too. Hmm. And that's where we better learn how to do some emotional weightlifting because you're just probably going to hear some things that are going to be tough to hear. It's going to probably bring up some emotions you're not going to know what to do with. And that's something that we need to develop. That's something like you got to do an emotional push-up in order to do better with it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, and unfortunately for men, I mean, it's been historically, it's been hard for them to express their insecurities and their feelings and their emotions. So I would imagine they don't come out so nicely when they finally do for a lot of men. (laughs)
3: Well, and, and because it is something that's developed in practice, the, the analogy that I love to do that, I'm so glad you brought that up too, because men are at a deficit emotionally, it's just societally not been an avenue that they've been able to hang out and practice a lot in, right? right. You don't see a bunch of guys like sharing problems and problem solving what's going on in their lives, no. you know, as they share the deepest parts of themselves, not because they're not capable, it's just not developed. Right. And to to help women wrap their head around this, right? What men are good and the the avenue of life and society that has been given to them is the physical the physicality like the physical expression. They're going to, you know, push each other around, play some sports, you know, talk about, you know, their bodies, they're going to talk about sex and intimacy much easier than females. And so when a guy hears, "Hey, let's talk, or do we have time to talk? It would be the equivalent to a woman hearing from the man, hey, can you put on that sexy outfit and do a pole dance for me? (laughs) And everybody goes, "Uh, uh, uh," "Right, "Uh, uh,
0: look at the time. (laughs) Not because
3: as human beings, we don't have the capacity to do both. We just not develop the capacity to do both.
0: Right. So is there a tip that you have for couples navigating through this?
3: Yes, you, you, the emotional weightlifting piece is take a pause. If I could tell you anything before you jump in or you catch yourself reacting emotionally to something, just take a pause and let the emotion kind of catch up with your thinking. Mm The thing about our emotional bodies is they travel so fast. Like I can be flooded with emotions in nanoseconds and it's too much information for my brain to process. I'm not going to understand it. I can react, but I'm not going to understand what's just happened. And for that reason, that's why the afterthought always makes a lot more sense than the initial reaction because everything's had a moment to kind of catch up. Right. Right, Exactly. (laughs) why did I say that? Why did I do that? Oh, I should have said that. Why didn't I? Yeah. Just take the pause, you know, and and let it settle in for a minute and then step out to say what you want to say.
0: So on the flip side of what, you know, as far as making mistakes when it comes to love and relationships, when would you say uh, a relationship is fully, is truly done? There's just no working at it.
3: The minute that somebody or both people are breaking down so, you know, there's the, the we talk about in my work, the distinction between breakthrough and breakdown breakthrough means, okay, this is really challenging me, but we're getting better. I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm feeling hopeful. We're working at this. I see right? we're doing. I am feeling good about it. Breakdown is I'm breaking down. I'm breaking down some more. I'm starting to have physical challenges, mental health challenges, right? I know in my heart that this is not going well. And then it becomes a question of if I can't turn it around and start feeling a little bit of ease, like we're going in the direction towards breakthrough, then it's probably best for me to to let go of it. Mm -hmm. Because that's going to create the catalyst of transformation that everybody's yearning for anyway. And I I just want to point this out, as much as we like to deny it, if there's one person that's unhappy in an intimate relationship, the chances are the other person isn't happy either. In Mm -hmm. fact, We're almost guaranteed and assured that they aren't happy. They've just learned to cope with it in a way that they can deal with the emotional, right, uh, shall we say, agitation, irritation, frustration.
0: They hide it better, yeah
3: well, or I've learned to work or take care of the kids or volunteer or right. shop or create something. <laughs> and that distracts me from my unhappiness in the relationship, mm. right? So one person's acutely focused on the despair in the relationship, and one person is completely checked out and got involved in something else. So they're like, what's the problem? <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, you're happy, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you hear about that a lot. So mm-hmm. how long do you think it takes to heal from a relationship?
3: You know what? It's that's like saying how long does it take you to heal an illness or a cold or the flu? It's yeah. the same. It's going to be very dependent on the person and how much they care for that, their bodies, their own chemistry, their own mentality. There's lots of things that filter into that, so there is no given time. Um, what's important is teach a person what that time frame is for them, and the benchmark that I'll give to our listeners today is. When you come out of a relationship and you have an inkling all on your own that goes, you know, I really want more, then that's the time to step in. hmm Now, no judgment, too, to those who jump around for a minute, because sometimes we need to know that we're still lovable and that we're still capable of relationship, right? That I'm still sought after, that I still have something to offer. And I won't know that if I don't have a little bit of experience and contrast to reassure me. So when I jump from relationship to relationship, that's really what I'm doing. I'm saying, am I lovable? Am I beautiful enough? Do I have something to offer? Do you like me?
0: Yeah. Now,
3: I'm going to have to expand beyond that in order to create a sustainable relationship. but. That's why we jump around and right. we go, oh, you should wait half the term and the merit. Well, who says? Who made that up? It's just, it's an opinion. And I would encourage people to to let themselves be their own guide of when they're ready. Just like it's my job physically to, to know when my leg that's been broken is stable enough to hold me up. Nobody can make the <laughs> determination, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
3: I like same that. S- same, same emotionally.
0: So you had said, you know, with one person's not happy, chances are the other person isn't either. So would you say that every person we pair with is also a reflection or maybe a matched frequency to us?
3: Yes, I would absolutely say that that's true. Um, Sometimes not in in an exact reflection, but they either have something that we want to get good at or they have something that flares the place I want to get better. Hmm maybe let's give a concrete example. If I'm, I'll use my husband and I for an example. I love to have fun. In fact, the crazier, the fun, the better. And my husband is very much a stable, like kind of, okay, let's take a breath. Let's think about this. You know, he's <laughs> the one that kind of keeps my feet on the ground. Right. When I first met him, it was his stability that I loved and admired the best. Hmm. Like he doesn't really kind of sway real hard one way or the other. But if you really want a good but unbiased, objective point of view, he'd be a great person to see. That's what I was attracted to. Why? Because I need to develop that inside of myself.
0: Mm, yeah
3: he was attracted to, oh my gosh, this free spirit. She can make a <laughs> friend everywhere she goes. She's just so fun to be around, right? And, and I'd never even thought about, you know, eating dinner under the table, but okay,
0: <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>
3: hey, I like that girl. I want to be around that girl. What does he need to let, you know, he needs to learn how to let go and ease up from time to time, take mm. a breath, not take life so seriously.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's
3: all kinds of layers of of places where we want to grow and get better. And so we're naturally attracted to the people that we feel like can teach us or show us that, right? Or bring out that aspect of us when we're around them.
0: Yeah, I like that you shared that. Thank you. And with that, we're going to take another break, but everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip.
1: The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, s-u-t-t-e-r
3: i want to take a minute and invite you on over to the love shack it's a little old place where we get to get together explore fresh perspectives eavesdrop on juicy conversations and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about but absolutely influences our relationships and we're tom and stacy bartley we are the hosts
4: of love shack live which airs every thursday at 1 p.m pst eleven fifty KKNWAM.
3: yeah come on over and join us We look forward to connecting with you soon.
1: Skinandmind.com Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual
0: hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And if you are just joining us today, I have the great pleasure of having Stacy Bartley on my show. Stacy is a certified divorce mediator and international relationship expert. So, Stacy, can we talk about something juicy? What is your take on soulmates? Hmm. And do we we only get one? Okay, good. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, 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 no. Um, In
3: fact, we have many soulmates. And, you know, when we go through some sort of a breakup or some sort of a divorce, I'm just going to highlight here that our greatest fear and insecurity is that somebody might love somebody other than ourselves. But by nature, I just want to point out love is an expansive quality. And how we know that is just look around in your own life. You have parents that you love. You have aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters that you love. You have friends that you love. And you have lovers that whether we're telling the truth or not, we still love and care about. It doesn't mean I want to be with them. And it doesn't mean that I want to co-create with them, but I still love and care about them. And so by nature, our kids, right, uh, we have the capacity to love many people and love many people deeply. Mm. So if you find you are falling in love with somebody who loves somebody deeply, that's okay. But can they show up for you? That's what you want to look at is the demonstration. Can they show up for you too? Or are they all still wound up in this, can't make sense of this experience I just had? Right. I can tell you for sure, Tom and I talk about this a lot. He talks about loving and honoring his ex-wife, Roxanne, and I, I love people that I have been in in relationship with as well and it's okay it's not threatening Mm -hmm. because we are focused on showing up for each other and if that's the case then that doesn't become a threat anymore
0: right that makes sense and also I would imagine you were mentioning earlier about people meet us right where we need to heal or to grow and so I imagine as we heal and grow more we're going to elevate to another to match another person Right.
3: Absolutely. In fact, I was just, I was with a client earlier this morning and it was fun. We laid out her whole journey and she could see where it was all perfect for her, that each relationship took her to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. And, and that's a a glorious thing that then we can just embrace our journey, whatever it is. Right. Right. all the mishaps and pitfalls. And, and if I may add, it's okay to be a messmaking machine. That's what us human beings are best at. And we must, <laughs> right? we must know how to mess it up before sometimes we can get it right. It's, right. it's called the contrast of, right, figuring things out as we go, not before we get started. Otherwise we become paralyzed.
0: Right. Absolutely. So I want to touch on marriage and the equality because of everything changing and, you know, over the years and centuries. So when it comes to finances and decision-making and duties, do you recommend that it be equal? What's your take on that?
3: I, I recommend that you sort through the things that you wanna take on. So I encourage couples to make a list of what they feel like they wanna have as part of their lifestyle experiences. Um, and then divide them up according to, well, I'll take that one, I'll take that one, I'll take that one, I'll take that one it doesn't really matter at the end of the day if somebody is paying all the bills and somebody else is doing all the housework, right? Or Mm -hmm. taking care of the kids, as long as both people feel good about it. One isn't feeling taken advantage of while one feels like they're putting in more than the other. right. And that can change and morph with time and circumstances. What's important is that you get to come back to the table and renegotiate these things. Remember what unconditional love is? We talked about it a little earlier in the show. It's permission.
0: Hmm.
3: So it's, it's you know, for, for even great example, my husband and I, he's great at finances. I'm not so great. Um, I can make money, but I'm not so great at managing it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he'll handle it all on his own. And then sometimes he'll bring me in and say, I want some help with this and this, how do we accomplish this? Right. Uh, So sometimes we work on it together. Sometimes when he just went through a surgery, I'm taking it over right now. And then we'll decide what happens next. It's this fluidity that needs to happen because the minute we start to feel like we're pressured or have to, or should, right. It's amazing how we get rebellious, right? Like, Oh heck and then i'm going to forget and then i'm going <laughs> to pretend like i didn't
0: know and then <laughs> we become teenagers all over again <laughs> exactly <laughs> so what are some changes that you think could be made in society that could potentially strengthen marital values
3: i think the coming back to ourselves and honoring that like you so eloquently teach and love yourself first that's a that's a big saying, Mm -hmm. and we don't know how to go about it. It sounds really great, but how do I go about loving myself? It's in giving yourself the permission to feel the way you feel and see things the way you see things. And that's okay. It starts Mm -hmm. with permission inside of yourself first. And then as I have permission to be me, it's a a, a wonderful thing that then I can give to other people, but I can't
0: give something I don't have. Okay. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense. So tell my listeners a little bit about your wonderful radio show and when that airs.
3: Oh, yes. I love my radio show. Uh, uh, and we share the same engineer. I'm going to give Eric Ryder a little shout out oh, here. We love Eric. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it airs on Thursday, each week Thursdays from 1 to 2 p.m. PST. And the name of the show is Love Shack Live. And if you want to Google Love Shack Live show, it'll come up. And what are you talking about on your shows? We talk about juicy conversations, everything related to love, sex, and relationships. And we have wonderful people like you on the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we Because, you know, there, there's this conversation of relationships. We want to bring in many, many different viewpoints and perspectives because it's not about one. Right. It's about honoring the many. Mm, I love
0: right? that. So, and yeah. where do you hope to grow from here? Me personally? Yes.
3: Oh, that's a wonderful thing. I would like to get to a place where I could learn to sit still better because I'm I'm a, a go go do do figure it out kind of girl. Um, it's It's been a real struggle for me to learn and, and writing the book has been the highlight of the sitting down long enough to put words on a page and then go through all the self doubt of who am I to write a book? Who am I to put these words on a page? Who am yeah. I to say these things has been a really big growth challenge for me. It's been really good for me <laughs> and, you know, doing the show, right? I mean, and just, just doing things that are outside of your comfort zone, are always places where I'm looking to grow. And sometimes I'm really good at it. And sometimes I collapse in fear and say, DIY
0: tomorrow's good. <laughs> well, we're only human, right? <laughs> so exactly. how can my listeners find out more about you? Uh,
3: the easiest way to just go to my website, StacyBartley.com. And the only thing you need to get right about what I just said is the first name, which is S-T-A-C-I. So
0: StacyBartley.com. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you being here today. Oh,
3: it's been such a pleasure. And like I said earlier, anytime I get to co-create with you, I'm in. Just know that. <laughs> Yay.
0: And Eric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. And thank you to Eric, our amazing producer, KKNW, KBKW, and Zone Radio. And most of all, you, the listener. You can find me at sakurasutter.com. Really love the show. Don't be shy. Drop me a line at, at com. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode of the Conscious Coaching Hour where we will be discussing anxiety. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya.
4: A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. For a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at Rory That's RoryReich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.
2: Protection. Call 206 730 7429 or go to Sakura Skin and